less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Martin, it's a special day today. It is because Jeff's here. Because Jeff's or here. Or otherwise, there's, it's also a special it's, it's day. It's a special day. It's the day after a special day. Yesterday was your birthday. Yeah. Mm. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. I uh, I've been thinking about this intro for since yesterday. Since yesterday, actually, <laughs> since the day before, but. I did just want to say happy birthday. I want to say thank you for being an incredible mentor to me, well, to so many others. And me. Thank yeah. you for everything that you do. Uh, you change lives, and people don't think about that as a business leader, that you're changing lives, but absolutely you're changing lives. And I know I wouldn't be where I am today without your knowledge oh, and support thanks. and wisdom, so thank you for everything. Kind of get me to tear up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, means, that really means a lot. Uh, people say it in a cliche way, although, I don't think they mean it as a cliche, but people say it so often, but helping other people is the biggest reward. Absolutely. And if you get paid also, mm-hmm. it's a woohoo. Keeps you right? attached to it, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's one reason I love having Jeff here because we've worked together for maybe six years, maybe seven. Yeah, coming up on seven years. Yeah. yeah. And Jeff does the stuff we talk about. Yeah. And uh, I have other clients. You clearly do the things we talk about. And it's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking's not enough. Somebody's got to take action, and that's that's you guys. I mean, you take the action. I talk about it, but when people actually do it, and then you get rewards, it's yeah. it's so fun. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's no secret that you're turning 97 this year. Mm-hmm. 97. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just really appreciate you sticking in it so. Well, long. I got a yeah. I got a goal. I read uh, last week that this 102 year old lady set the world record shot put. She took a six pound ball and heaved it 11 yards at 102. Oh, 11 yards. 11 yards. No, 11 feet, 11 okay. feet. Okay. Yeah. still. Yeah, still. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Well, and uh, so my wife, I told my wife that last night and she said, well, no competition at 102. They go, no, it's 80 and up. Yeah. Right? Oh, no So way. she was up there whipping these youngsters that were 81, hey. 82 <laughs> years old. And she said, Somebody asked her, why'd you do it? She said, well, my son-in-law, who's like 85, you know, <laughs> probably not that old, but she said, well, there's this deal. Why don't you do it? She goes, sure, why not? So she started training and everything. So that's awesome. Awesome. surf the wave till it hits the beach, man. That's right. That's well, right. We, we appreciate you. That's uh, sure. Thank you very much. Well, we're excited for Jeff to be here. We have an episode in the podcast. I think it's an early on episode right. called The Evolution of a Business Owner. And we talk about the journey from... You know, employee to self-employed to manager biz- to manager right. to business owner right to, to entrepreneur yeah entrepreneur and investor entrepreneur investor yeah. uh, that's a great episode if you want to listen to it but I think Jeff is someone who's a really great example of that evolution maybe not I don't know that you ever fully complete that evolution but um, you're continually evolving and it's been really cool to watch you grow over the years before we talk about your evolution as a business owner, I did want to touch for a couple minutes on your evolution as a coffee drinker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that I can blame some of that on my, blame the start of that on my brother. You know, I, I never drank coffee until I was, you know, close to 30 years old. And, sure. And I, I was just never into it. Never was into tea or pop or anything, you know. So, I mean, I really wasn't into any of it. And then, um, you know, we was which we can get into a little bit later we was you know we was working 
burning both ends of the candle every night, and it yeah. just it was tough. And so he got me into drinking Red Bull, you know, which is, oh, God. you that know, awful, I right? mean, you go from nothing to Red Bull, and that's just horrible. <laughs> and uh, and 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 I didn't really care Thanks, for it Jeff, that. There much. are sponsors. Well, yeah, okay, sorry, <laughs> but uh, no, it tasted great. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah great drink. It has vitamin B twelve. But and and we so we drank that for a while, and then he got me into drinking espresso. Shortly after that, you know, he's he's always been into it. So, um, as goes with about anything I get into, I end up just going down this rabbit hole of craziness, you know. So I've done it with, you know, I've done it with espresso, and I've done it with pizza, and I've done it with all these things where I just get into it so much where I just keep diving farther down the rabbit hole, and yeah. that's why espresso kind of turned in with me. It's just you know different kinds different types different machines different you know methods and all this stuff and so well it's like a mini manufacturing process it is you've got like what kind of beans are you going to use what kind of grinder what grinder setting are you using dialing it in what the weight of them is you know how much weight's in how much weight's out and you know the the tanning pressure i I didn't know this about you yeah but i still only drink you know one 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 coffee a day you know so it's uh you know and on the weekends i drink a different style so you know like weekends i like my cappuccino and I, I didn't know this. I've known yeah. you all this time. I didn't know that. Yeah, I can it's, relate on this level a little uh, bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. You're kind of well. I don't. Happy. I don't like to, you know, put out in the air that I'm like, kind of a snob when it comes to certain things. You know, I drink my coffee, oh, my pinky up, and you know, my, <laughs> my so. daughter. I heard her telling somebody, my parents drink Folgers. You're right. Yeah, yeah and I and I said, whoa, stop! And we have a percolator. Yeah. Like with the yeah, glass yeah. thing on oh, top. Yeah. Have sent, been married forty, almost forty-four years. Had a percolator people go don't you understand that that runs the water over the beans twice yeah I go, but I you know care. so much of that is tradition like I, I i only like to eat meatloaf that's got burnt edges you know and that's because that's how my mom cooked yeah it. and there, it just it brings back that mm-hmm. so a lot of people with coffee i didn't drink coffee when i grew up my parents didn't really drink coffee when i grew up so i didn't have a baseline yep to start with and there's so much of that there's so much that burn into your, you know, I'm sure there's certain foods or smells that takes you back to your childhood. So you only want to have it that way, you know? So a lot of people that grew up with Folgers was because their mom and dad drank it in their house out of a percolator, you know? Well, I'm not an aficionado. I can't tell the difference. But here's my philosophy on coffee because some people say it's good for you. Some people say it harms you. And so I just have a rule, you know, discipline that absolutely no more than 15 cups a day. Yeah, and that's you. And that's stop. it. I cut it off. It, everything in moderation, right? Everything yeah. in moderation. <laughs> yeah. um, that's right. Also, pizza. How is your pizza game? It's. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and tell you it's on point. I mean, it's, <laughs> oh, really? it's, it's on point. It's, uh, it's, it's a process. It's I'm a, so envious of this. It's a two- or three-day process to actually make the pizza, and I, and I don't do it. We try to do it every week, but right now we got kids that are in a lot of activities. This is kind of our go time of year, so... Um, I don't get to make it. If I can start it on Friday, we make it on Sunday, you know, and it's a big deal. So oh my God. Right this now, is letting the dough rise or something yeah, like that? It's just, that? Yeah, I mean, that's going to have to be a whole other podcast. Did you, build a, <laughs> did you build one of those ovens in the oh, corner well, of the I'm, wall I'm like looking, Italy? Where... So I'm looking into a, 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 it's a home version of that. So oh, I'm, it's, a, it's a home version of that. You can get it all pre-made and it's sent to you, you know, so I don't have time to... But you have what's the one you have the the brand I've got's an uni so it's mm-hmm, kind of the right. and and it's a great it's their upper level one you know their pro model and, and it's a great deal um, but now I'm kind of stepping up to the next version of that so they got you um, hooked man it's uh and it's so good now you know we don't really get pizza at other places to speak it ruins of. it doesn't it, it? it does ruin it so oh, like I said it turns you into a snob but it's uh you know there's there's a couple of our neighbors in our neighborhood that knows about it and they like hey you uh 
like cooking pizza, pizza this week? Yeah, yeah, you want to invite me over? <laughs> yeah. So no, I had a pizza in Naples, Italy, and it's seafood delight, right? Mm-hmm. So at an outside cafe, can see Vesuvius off. You know, it's like total Italian experience. So I order this, you know, pizza del mare, and it comes, and it's got clams, these langostinos, which are kind of like lobsters, but mm-hmm. they don't have claws. Uh, fish, different kinds of fish, and they're just sitting on there. Oh yeah. I mean, in the shells. There's a pizza with, you know, tomato sauce, and then there's like this lobster thing sitting, sitting there. Just sitting on the middle of it. And the, the clams in the shells, and the fish, just the whole fish. Yeah. You're going, wow, do-it-yourself yeah. pizza. Mm-hmm. Do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you got a knife, uh-huh. you know? That's a little different, a little bit yeah, different experience pretty, there. Yeah, it was pretty fun, well, yeah. Um, Talking about your evolution as a business owner, we can jump into that. What? Yep. T- let's tell us a little about you're from. Um, give us a little bit of background, uh, and I'm happy to, to introduce a couple of yeah. things as well. But go ahead. Well, so I, you know, graduated college from uh, Oklahoma State in in '01, and uh, with a construction management degree, and jumped right into that. I was hired for a company in Tulsa called Crossland. They were, they're actually out of Kansas, but they mm-hmm. were starting a, they had just started an office in Tulsa. Now they're a mega huge, they're massive. Com- massive company. And then, and a, and a fantastic company at that. I mean, they were, um, got nothing bad to say about them. You know, I, I knew the, the owner, um, well, it was the owner's son that was running it, but, okay. um, um, but I, I knew him, he, he would always, you know, this mega huge company, you would never expect to really even meet the owner possibly, you know, and, but he would visit every job and, and as a superintendent, you know, um, I always loved meeting him because he was he was a hands-on guy. You know, he would he'd always come on the job, and if if, uh, if he felt like it, he'd jump in the traco, you know, and he'd operate it wow. or something like that. So he was just that kind of mm-hmm. he was that kind of owner where he wasn't uh, he wasn't disconnected from the process. In other words, yeah. you know, he and I always appreciated that. So he he loved talking about numbers. He loved you know they they operated off what was called a variance, you know, mm-hmm. and and so basically, if you had five hundred thousand dollars to do this project. Every week you get an updated variance telling you how much you build against that five hundred grand, and so the, the the object was to always have money left in the, you know, have a little bit of money left on your variance, you know, and that was always my goal, and 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 he was always the one that could tell you different ways to achieve different goals and things like yeah. that. And he was he was really good, so I, I enjoyed that process. So I worked there for five years. I was hired as a Really, the only reason I was hired from him was at the time in Tulsa they was doing their the biggest project they had ever got awarded at the time. Um, it's nothing now, but I mean, at the time it was like $18 million. It was an armory, but it had a bunch of concrete tilt-up panels on it. Uh-huh. And, and I had done that kind of construction with my dad mm-hmm. growing up, um, building mini storage buildings. We just ah, built okay. them concrete tilt-up. Right, so right. obviously the, the armory was on a completely different level than what we had done uh, back home, but it was the same processes, you know. So right. I was, you know, a little bit educated on that uh, where they didn't have anybody in the company at the time that did that. So... You know, we did that project and I did a few more for them. And then um, after about five years is when I went out on my own as a cabinet maker. You know, I just did it on the side for a few years, two or three years before I went out. And uh, How did you get into woodworking? It was kind of by accident, you know. So I I had always kind of tinkered on the side. You know, we might say, what do you do? Well, yeah, so I'm a cabinet maker. You know, we we own a cabinet manufacturing plant, and uh, but it started... Um, you know, it started in my garage, literally. I mean, it, it's, I made furniture pieces for, it was self-serving, you know, I just made them for me for fun. And, um, and then one of my buddies 
knew that I did this on the on the side. One of my buddies from college, and uh, he asked if I'd build his kitchen cabinets at his house, which is totally different. Um, <laughs> totally different but I, and I told him no several times I just told me I said no I don't build cabinets I just build furniture and he just insisted insisted so finally I agreed and I found a buddy a, a buddy that we both knew um, that he built cabinets so he kind of helped me through that first set you know and, and he made all the money on it I just kind of free labored for him you know sure, to, just to, to learn. figure the process out you know yeah. so I would go down there on nights and weekends built on and, table saws yeah built on table yeah. saws built by hand and, yeah. and I kind of figured out the process so um, you know, we did the kitchen at his place and I did kind of the bathroom cabinets at my place just to learn, you know, how to do it myself and kind of hobbled through it. It took months to get through that oh, set of cabinets. I mean, it was, it was horrible. Um, fortunately, he wasn't in a hurry because he couldn't get water to his house because of where he lived. It was took forever. So it, it worked out great. Yeah. Well, then it kind of evolved from there naturally. His, um, he had a, a, a mutual friend or not a mutual friend he had a friend from college that he worked for that was a construction co- small construction company that builds homes his name was Alan and um, so he worked for Alan in college well Alan was kind of helping him build his house just ment- mentoring him through it you know yeah. just helping him helping him build his house I got to know Alan through this process and Alan's like I've never seen cabinets built off-site and taken to a house already already completed you know he and had been they, used they, to seeing yeah. them like a carpenter coming there right. piece by piece and building them on the wall, literally building them piece by piece, you know, and, and it was a very, and in Oklahoma, that's still, in Oklahoma City especially, it's still very popular. Very common. In, really? in Tulsa, you don't see it at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in Oklahoma City, it's still really common to see a, a tr- cabinet maker or that's a trim carpenter that builds the cabinets on site. And then they just wow. order the drawers and order the doors and piece them on there. It's, it's a really old fashioned way of doing it. So Alan was interested with that process and he didn't build too many homes back then so we started building his cabinets and to this day i still build alan's cabinets I mean, he's <laughs> that's uh, awesome you know so he was my first customer and i've still got him you know and he's he doesn't do as much as he did there for a few years but he still builds two or three homes a year you mm-hmm. know and they're and it's the same process you know we go down there measures house and yep um just doing it out of a different place you know so he's He's seen the evolution of our company through the yeah, whole deal. That's really and, cool. and what's crazy to this day, he still has not ever stepped foot in my shop. So really? not, I don't think the, he'd want to come and see. Yeah, none of the four shops that I've had, he's never stepped in, right. stepped foot into them. So um, I just can't ever get him out of Stillwater. He's just that guy, you know. Right. So wow. great dude. Um, I just love Alan to death. We, we I try to talk to him every, every few months and just catch up with him. He's a great man. But um, so that's, you know, that was how we started. And then... Um, where it really ramped up into a full-time job was um, I worked with a guy at, at Crossland um, and we kind of started I just started getting too busy so I needed help and uh, he started working with me doing and, cabinets yeah doing yeah. cabinets on the side and we did other side jobs too we did we kind of figured out what we didn't want to do we just knew we wanted to do something else eventually and you know we did <laughs> We did some sheetrock jobs. We did some yeah. tile jobs, and I was like, "Nope, nope, You're nope." Being a contractor, no, I, that, you know, I figured out what I didn't want to do before I figured out what I did want to do, and 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 woodworking just made sense at yeah. the time. So, um, you know, it, it slowly evolved there for the first year, but then after a while, um, we we bid a job for his. At that point, it was his father-in-law was building a bunch of duplexes in Stillwater, mm. and. It was a bunch. I mean, it was like 62 duplexes, okay. and each each duplex had four bedrooms and four baths on each side, and he was renting out each room to college kids, mm-hmm. basically. So, you know, each it's basically an eight-bedroom, eight-bath house, 
yeah. with two kitchens, two utility rooms. I mean, it was a lot of cabinets. So way more than we could ever think about handling. But we took it. Wow. You know, so didn't have any employees and was doing it on the side. So that's a pretty, lot of work. Yeah, pretty this quickly. Was in your garage. And you're, you're By still this time, a project I, manager at this point? Yeah, I'm still. And so you're, this is all on the side. This is all okay. on the side, yeah. So and, and and it was not possible to jip your job. I mean, you being a superintendent for Crossland was – I'm, I'm assuming it is. It was very demanding. I mean, you had to be there. You know, you poured concrete at two o'clock in the morning. You had to be there two o'clock in the morning. Right. So it's not. Yeah, a, but you, but you it's also a, get paid fairly well, and it's hard oh, yeah. to leave that money. That's that's right. I mean, that, and that was the that was the hardest part. Mm. But it was getting to that point where there was there was getting to the point really quickly where it was like I I could not keep functioning till work until ten eleven at night working every weekend, you know, putting in 14 hour days on the weekends. I just, mm-hmm. it got to the point where my energy level just wouldn't keep up with it. So I had to make a choice, you know. So I, uh, I, I, I finished the job that I was on, completely finished it, finished the punch list, was moving to another job, asked if I could have an assistant super, you know, on that job and got it started and we got it out of the ground. And then I just, you know, at that point I gave my month notice and left and, and they told me I could leave whenever I wanted, you know, cause I was in between jobs. So it was right. a really nice, time to part you know so it was it sure. was it was it worked out really well but it's that so. big job that you got with the duplexes that really gave you that sense of security a little bit with like we got a big job that's gonna yeah. pay me yeah to be able to leave yeah so i mean i wasn't able to replace my salary that i was sure. making but at least i was able to get to a point where i could like sustain you know my yeah. the the current lifestyle because we had just moved into a newer house and mm-hmm. that we had built it was the first house that i had built and um and we built a little shop behind it. So I moved out of my garage, was in that shop, but it was not much bigger than a big sure. garage. So. Yeah. That's a, I think in the evolution of business, you say like the worst salary you can make in Oklahoma, especially is what, $150? Well, yeah, like I've that. got a, a former client who I said $150,000 is the worst amount of money you can ever make because it's pretty good in Oklahoma. Pretty but, good, yeah. But it's good as the enemy of great. You could do so much better. Yeah, but it's good yeah. enough that eh, yeah, yeah, that that outside incentive. Yeah, and then and I was making nowhere near that as a superintendent right. at the time. But I mean, I was I was making definitely a good enough salary for, you know, I was recently married, but we were both working. We didn't have any kids, didn't have a lot of responsibilities, so you know, we didn't we didn't need to make a lot. Right. And that that's where it's interesting is you were it, that timing is so important. Oh yeah, because whenever you do make that salary, let's just say it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you do have the kids. You have the lake house, maybe mm-hmm. you got the boat. And, a lot harder to and leave. It's, yeah. being able to leave is uh, it's real pressure. Yeah. But on that point, if I was doing it now and I was making that kind of money, you know, if I was still working for a construction company, whether it be Crossing or somebody else, you know, if I was working somewhere and I was making good money, I, I assume that I would have still grown through the ranks, you know, and, and and had a good job. I think you just I think it's different how you would do it, you know. Like I think if I was starting now. Yeah. In that position, I think I would be looking at a company that's already going. I would be looking at purchasing something like a going concern. Find a great company that just needs a little bit, a little bit of love, a little TLC, a little management, you know, and take my experience. But it's not going to say it would be any easier. It would be a lot harder to leave that security. But I think I just have to do it differently. Right. I wouldn't be doing a startup. I I have no doubt that that you would do it anyway, though, because exactly you. We're interested. You're making cabinets. You don't have to work on the weekend at all. Yeah. But hey, and you did the first job for basically nothing. Yeah. So that you could learn. So you're investing in that. I mean, I know you well enough. That's your mind's 
always going on what's the next better way mm-hmm. oh yeah it's yeah. it's not like whew I've made it I can rest it's the opposite of that right yeah and that's that's who you are it's not something you I, I do want to yeah. talk about that that you did your first job basically for free um, maybe even lost money I don't know if you're doing your own cabinets but um, there's so many people especially in today's world they don't they don't like free internships they don't uh, they think that they deserve to be paid and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and I your your time is valuable. It absolutely no is. But if you go into that mindset of I deserve this right from the beginning with zero knowledge yeah. and you're not thinking about the opportunity of being able to yeah. learn from somebody, it can turn into I did this job for free to now I own, you know, a, a very successful manufacturing cabinet company. Yeah. Because I had that experience. You know? Oh, yeah. And that's that's where people if you want to stuck and get, get stuck and get paid, which there are paid internships, apprenticeships, all that kind of stuff. It's good. But if, you, if you're more focused on getting paid now, you're not going to get as paid later. Oh, yeah. And so I, I just think it's a really important thing for any young listeners <clears throat> out there to hear is that take the opportunity, look for the experience that you can get. Well, yeah. you got a college education in a particular field without student debt. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I left with no student debt. And, and I got a lot of that to attribute to my parents and then also... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they helped me through college and, and I worked through college too. So, I mean, I, I had to, I had to pay for anything outside of college, you know, basically, yeah. you know, I had to pay for, you know, if I wanted to go out, if I wanted to go out to eat, if I wanted to, you know, I had to pay for my truck and my gas and all right. that, you know, insurance and stuff like that. So that was, you know, so I still had to be responsible, but mm-hmm. you know, my parents taking care of college was a huge help, but I also got a lot of scholarships, you know, yeah. I got, you know, out of high school, my better part of my first year was paid with scholarships. My last two years were I got a really great scholarship with uh, Delisi Concrete, fantastic company. You know that they mm-hmm. they they had an awesome scholarship at OSU for construction management that you oh, could wow. it would pretty well pay for um, part of your tuition, all your books, and and it was a you, and it was only available to juniors and seniors. So it was okay. you had to be almost through the program to be able to get it. Yeah, they were looking for people going into the industry. You know that That's were cool. going to go into the industry, yeah. and I, it was a great great. I don't deal. want to take this too far off track, but you're on it right now the how important we have a lot of listeners who uh maybe don't have a college degree working at how important do you think people have to have a college degree man I, and this is a hot topic right now just you know out out in the world right now this is just a hot topic whether you know people talking about not going to college and i don't i don't regret going to college um it it afforded me a, a a job that I would have had to work several years to get to, you know, so I mean those those years weren't wasted. In other words, I, I started out as a project superintendent. I mean I was an assistant super for a very short period of time, but I it was directly gonna go into assistance or into a superintendent, which with crossing is different, but it's it's very similar to a project management role. They mm-hmm. work very closely with project managers. Um so you know that was for me it was not a waste to go to college. And I know a lot of people say it was a waste for them to go to college, but I for me, it wasn't. I learned a lot, um, not just the experiences I had, but I mean, I learned a lot about, <clears throat> you know, just how things work and stuff like that. So I, I definitely don't regret going to college. You know, yeah. I, I, I think it was a good thing. Well, while we're on, I just throw this in, and then, but I've got an MBA, business degree. Mm-hmm. What I yeah. tell people all the time is, you don't need an MBA to succeed in business. Yeah. And an MBA will not in any way even remotely assure that you will succeed in business. Right. So why get an MBA? Yeah. But I don't regret that I learned things, became aware of things. I don't even know how 
valuable it is to me because there are probably things I know and say and do that came from that experience. But I don't want people to think they have to do it. Yeah. You can get the sweat equity. You learn the cabinet shop, not at OSU. You learn yeah. it in yeah. your garage with your friend helping you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a bunch since. Well, I think there's no question that education is valuable. Right. I think that really... But it's not a substitute. Well, no, there, there's really only two ways to be educated, and it happens through experience. You can either get the experience yourself, or you can pay for someone else's experience yeah. to give be passed down to you. And that's really helpful in some fields in college. Yeah. If you're going to be a doctor, go to college. You're yeah. no, I don't, you know, shouldn't oh, yeah. be getting experience practicing on your cousin. Yeah, doctor, lawyer, right. CPA, yeah. architect. Construction, you know. if you don't have the opportunities and you don't feel like you can get the experience hands-on, it's not a bad idea to go to college. I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people looking for help in construction right well, now. It yeah. yeah, and it depends on what courses you take in college. There are a yeah, lot exactly. of courses you can take that are basically you postponing beginning your life oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. by about four like to I, seven years. Oh, yeah. Like I said, you're paying for someone else's experience. If your professor sucks... You're paying for that experience, and that's the education you're getting. Yeah. I mean, you better find, you better go to a school that has good professors, a good program like Delisi has that's going to oh, yeah. get for scholarships. The other thing is, this college is so expensive now. Oh, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's significantly more than whatever I was in. It's, it's, if you're paying $50,000 for a construction manager degree annually, go get a job and do construction. You'll yeah. learn far mm -hmm. more, and it'll be yeah. more valuable. If you've got a scholarship and you're paying couple grand, maybe even 5000 a year. Yeah, take the degree, go for it. Well, it's a lot easier to learn these days than, you know, you can get a you can get an education just by on YouTube. listening to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Going on so YouTube, different. You can, it's, it's a lot different than it was. You know, that wasn't available back then. So I think I think things are changing a lot different now, especially if you know what you want to do. I mean, you can get a really good education and, and, and be just as valuable in the workspace, mm -hmm. you know, uh, as, as getting a college education. I think what I wish was a little bit more in every degree, reg regardless, um, I wish there was a more financial stuff in, in just teaching in general. Right. Education at a high school level and everything, you know, there's just not enough education about finances yeah. um, and, and accounting, just general accounting practices and well, things I, like that. Well, I was going to bring that up too. It, it's not, you, every, anybody who's listened to this knows what my passion is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you said you had your variance sheet working at Crossroads, mm -hmm. right? So yep. basically a budget. You got to know, well, what am I supposed what to do? Supposed well, you got to hit this. Ooh. Yeah. You know, and and you behave differently when you have a target and you know what it is. Yeah. And, but somebody had financial information to know how much you'd already spent. Yeah. Right? That's so right. anyway, there's a lot more and to And that's something that. that as you're going, as you're evolving as a business owner, the finance just become even more important as you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, it's something that you can't deter away from. And I, I think that I, I think you're right that I took accounting in college. You know, the, the um, all the different types of accounting. I think there were four classes that I had to take. But it's not applicable if you don't feel like there's a need for it. And I think yeah. that's what ends up happening with business owners too is they don't see the need no, right no, off the bat. They're right. like, hey, is there cash in the account or not? That's, right. the, that's yeah. what's prevalent. Yeah. But as well, soon as they start I, looking at I say about education in general, you know, kids complain because they had to learn algebra in high school. Like, what the hell am I, you know, I'll never <laughs> use algebra. Well, people are giving you the answer before you have the question. And yeah. you have to do some of that. You have to be able to read before you need, you know why you need to read when yeah. you're a kid. Yeah. But they give you the answer before you have the question. Yeah. When you get out, uh, and we're working along for a while. You and I are working on a project next week, and we've got some financial mm -hmm. information here. 
you go, wow, how could I know that? And somebody shows you how to know it, and you go, oh, man, that's exactly the information yeah. I needed to make this decision. Can yeah. I buy? Can I hire? Can I bid? How do I bid? You know, all these things. Yeah. And so that's the one benefit of uh, being out and working and then realizing, hey, I wonder if I could understand this. And yeah, then when somebody no tells you how to do the algebra, you suck it right up. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah, that answered my question. Yeah, so, there's no doubt. Yeah. Well, make this about Jeff, not about numbers. No, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. So, but numbers are a big part of the reason you're right. where you are. That's right. So you leave that job at Crosslands. You've got this huge duplex job. How yep. quickly, if you remember, how quickly did you start getting other jobs once you... It was pretty quick. I mean, we we got a we landed a pretty good contract. Um, so at that point, you know, I, I went out full time pretty mm -hmm. quickly, and that was back in '05. Uh, went out, and then pretty short after that, my business partner went out. Maybe within six months, you know, later he went out on his, you know, with us, um, and he was, you know, he was burning the candle at both ends just like the whole time. So I would work during the day, and generally I'd work at the night too when he'd come in. So it'd just be he and I, and 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 we had hired a. I think at that point we had hired one or two uh, full-time people. When I went out, we hired at least one, and I believe there was two pretty quickly. Um, and then we, so we, we got a, a builder that, at the time they were a huge builder, still are, in Tulsa. Um, <clears throat> but we was just taking a portion, a very small portion, just kind of some uh, a neighborhood that they were finishing up. We took, and it evolved into a good contract that we did kind of up until the recession, but it was not very good money. You yeah. know? So that's where I learned my first lesson about, you know, taking jobs that weren't good enough money at all. So, right. um, and then when the recession came, that one kind of went away. So, um, but yeah, he, you know, so my business partner came out with me um, pretty shortly after, and then we just kind of continued growing the whole time. So, um, and, and having a business partner was uh, something I never intended on. It was nothing I was planning on. Um, in fact, it was at was first. Was this I the man that you started with that helped you learn to? Uh... No, no. He, this was a different guy. So the guy that just helped me was um, he's still a cabinet maker today. In fact, I talked to him just a few days ago. We talk a few times a year. Um, you know, so he's you know we're still in contact periodically. He's about my age, you know, and, um, and or a little younger. So he's still he's still rocking in the trade and doing doing everything. But no, he's not the business partner I had. The guy that I had was in. He actually worked with me. He was another superintendent. So why did you have a business partner? I don't I mean, know. You know, looking back, I don't know. Um, it was just because I mean, we worked together. Just because we did a lot of guys side go, jobs. yeah, let's yeah, we're do kinda, that. Yeah, we were kind of buddies, uh, worked on the side together, and, and we were just like, hey, you know, let's go do a company. So that's kind of what it... What were the hardest conflicts with your partner? You know, I don't know. We, we Honestly, if the recession would have never came, I'm not too sure we wouldn't still be partners or, or some version of partners. Um, the, the recession was what split us up. I mean, he was he was the working side of the business and I was the business side of the business. So, um, and that was always that way from day one. I did the selling, I did the, um, you know, the get you know, growing us into new tools and things like that, the space and stuff like that. And he was more of the, he was more of the getting the work through the shop and he physically liked to work. I mean, that was just his, and I haven't kept up with him was it abrasive at all when you? Yeah, I mean, it yeah, was it was a little, a little bit. bit. It was tough because yeah. and and we we both had the same option. It was kind of like either you, you know when the recession came, it was a tough time. You know, we we was rocking awesome. Just I mean, we were really rolling. Just mm -hmm. moved into our new shop and just had got a new CNC machine, so we were really moving. And the recession really didn't hit us till 
late 08, oh, late 09, sometime around there um, is when it really hit us. That's when we kind of got through all of our work. And um, and I just kind of approached him one day. I said, hey, you know, there's there's not enough meat on the bone for both of us. So we, we got to figure something out. So he decided to let me have the company, kind of worked out a deal. And he actually stayed with the company for another, I would say, a year, you know, just oh, wow. making making a salary and um and it worked out well because he didn't have the burden of worrying about the owner part of it he just had to make you know he had to work, work his eight hours yeah. and yeah come build product and just be be our best employee and and so it worked out well but and then he had another opportunity that i think served him real well that he's gone and done since then so i we can't let this pass without bringing it up um kind of a thrown together partnership Hey, very much so. Yeah, you know, very we know each so. other. Was it 50 50? It was 50 50. There you go. Yeah. Right. Well, that's fair. You know, it's 50 50. You got one more business oriented person, one yep. more hands on uh, yep. sort of person. Do not do that. Is this yep. mic on? Yeah. Do not <laughs> do that. Yeah. I have uh, some, I've had a number of companies over time. I have one right now where you have exactly that situation, yeah. where there's one guy who's, it wasn't we'll call it sophisticated in terms of business, they're both smart guys, but the other guy's a hands-on guy, and they don't speak the same language. And when I joined up, uh, their structure was rife for abuse. They had a company and they both had their own separate little companies that charged the first company. So their their interests were their own companies. And oh, yeah. Big old straw sitting in that mm-hmm. with two guys slurping, no rules write themselves checks. Well, I did the work. Well, you yep. didn't bid it and all this. Anyway, so trying to salvage it, they're going to come apart. I mean, they are coming apart. And so we're trying to make it as least contentious as possible. Yeah, and I don't know but, if that's but possible. But they but. have an operating agreement, you know, because one guy went and got an operating agreement, but it just didn't really deal with all these things. Dissolution, who, if you need to put money in, who's going to put money in? How, you know, what are the percent ownerships? If you hit a draw, how are you going to make a decision? You can be 50-50, but there need to be uh, mechanisms for making decisions. And they didn't have any of that. And I've heard that so many times. Yeah, he's good at this. I'm good at this. And it'll be 50-50. You know, because that, you don't want to say, well, I'm going to do 60 and you're going to do 40. Well, that's not fair. You know, it's just a mess. There are partnerships that work. But they they, they can work, yeah. but the, the number one thing is you need to start, uh, and I'll quit beating this horse because it's not what it's about, but I couldn't let that pass. You need to start it in front of a deal attorney, and by that I mean an attorney who does business deals because sitting there in front of this attorney, if, if he or she is any good, they're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Okay, it's two years from now, and your company needs hundred grand. Who's going to put the money in? Who's going to decide you put the money in? I'm going to put the money in and you're going to ride along on my coattails or do I own, you know, you're just, what if somebody dies? What if somebody gets divorced? You know, just all these things. And you think through that with an attorney and you go, yeah, well, that might cost me 5,000 bucks. Well, if you can't come up with 5,000 to do that part right, then you're going to regret it later yeah. on. So anyway, thank you for that. That I just had to let that. No, that's good. Don't do that if you're thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel like you made you joined the partnership because it felt safer or, or more comfortable? You know, I think more of it was just because I probably didn't, um, I didn't allow myself to look down the road a few years. Mm. And I, I think in the back of my mind, it, it was, 
always something I was never super comfortable with, but I never, I didn't, um, I was passive yeah. a little bit on it. <laughs> and um, that's why I kind of gave us both the option. He could have the company or I could have the company, one or the other. You know, it's, it's, it was, I, I tried to make it fair. As fair as possible. Yeah. But I, at the same time, when I started, I, I probably should have just put my foot down and just been like, you know, hey, you I think, I, think I just want to go it alone. You yeah. know, I want to yeah. do this deal on my own. Because that's yeah. really, the, my personality is more right. just like me. You know, I just, mm -hmm. I, I would rather do it myself. And some people are not that way, yeah. you know. But, and I, and I don't think my partner was that way. Yeah. He didn't want to go it alone, you know. I have to, we can put this in the show notes, but I wrote an article a couple of years ago for Forbes coaching council and it's called to partner or not to partner um, and you can find it Martin Holland and go to Forbes.com but it lists all these reasons that you say you want a partnership and what they really mean like I'm scared maybe that's what you mean or hey is my mm -hmm. buddy I love hanging out with him you know he's yeah. really good at this I'm really good at this and what they really mean is or they bring money well you know anyway it's worth reading that article it lists the kind of things that uh, sure. attorneys will ask you yeah. and you can consider it. It looks a lot different when there's no money and nothing That's right. about an idea and when you're selling millions of dollars worth and there's money there, all of a sudden a whole lot of different issues show. Oh yeah, I could see that. That's right. Yeah. 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 So. Well, what do you feel like was the big change for you once it was just you? Like what changed inside the business? Well, we were we were at a, you know, we were in a, we were not at a position when, when we split, we were not in a position to even really hardly call ourselves a company. I mean, we were just, we were surviving at that point. We were, um, every day it, it was just, it wasn't a choice. It was just, it was a, I had to be on the shop floor because we didn't have money to have any labor. We didn't have, uh, we didn't have money to pay all of our bills. We didn't have, you know, we just, it, it, um, it was just all about surviving. It was just getting from today to tomorrow. So we weren't running a business. You know, we were, we were not, there wasn't anything. It was, it was a hobby at best. You know, it was just, yeah. you know, um, we were losing money. We were, we were doing nothing right. You know, we weren't, we weren't planning because we we're in a corner, you know, just fighting our way out of a corner. And, and, you know, so that was, that was in the middle of the recession. And, and at the end of 2010, or 2010, you know, we went home for a long holiday. You know, holiday fell fell on a weekend. Christmas fell on a weekend, so we took the whole next week off because we didn't have any work. You know, and, and I literally told the two guys that were still working for me, um, two or three, I don't remember, but there wasn't very many. And I told them, I said, "Guys, call me before we come back because I don't know if we're going to be open." Job. You know, yeah. and and I and I remember over Christmas break, right after. Right after Christmas, a lady called me and she wanted to do a bathroom remodel. And I asked her, I said, you know, can we do the whole thing? You know, which we didn't do. We didn't do the whole remodels, but I just asked her if she'd be interested in letting us do the whole thing. She's like, yeah, we, you know, we, we haven't found anybody yet. So, you know, we did the sheetrock, we did the, you know, the tile, we did the yeah. cabinets and the paint and everything just to keep people busy. Keep, keep everybody busy, yeah. generate a little more revenue. And that was just part of it. So, and then after that, you know, we started kind of getting back into it. Some of the, our old builders started coming back and, you know, some contracts started coming back slowly. And um, so, but yeah, that was a real turning point, you know, because it was. Well, there, two things kind of jumped to mind. One is the lack of work, which is a 2008, 2009 yeah. phenomenon. But then prior to that, it's how did you start to get, you, you started to get work back. How did you start to make profitable work that actually generated cash? What? What kind of trip wired there? Not not bidding just to get the job, but bidding to actually make money on it. 
Well, I think some of that necessity comes with just getting a little bit bigger. You know, it's just like it, at first your time is not worth anything yeah, as an owner. You know, your time is worth nothing because you're just learning. Learning. <laughs> yeah, you're, you, the, the education is the is the pay. You know, and and. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where we was at. You know, you're just you're learning every single job. You're learning something new, what not to do, and and everything. So money was secondary. You know, profit yeah. was secondary. Um, and then and then eventually you just you realize, okay, I've, I've I've learned a little bit here. You know, now I've got to step my game up. I got to get a delivery truck. I got to get a laborer. I've got to get some more equipment, whatever it is. But you know, so it becomes. And we've talked about this before, Martin. That where it's like profit is a. You, you're obligated as an owner to make profit because you, you're you all of a sudden you've got people relying on you not just your employees but your your customers you I've know? got a and, I've got an article coming out today called um, unfair and absurd and it's referring to a statement that Jim Pasaki made that it would be un, absurd and unfair for business owners to pass through increased costs and in that case we're talking about taxes but I make the point in there break even you you will fail. Profit is not new cars and profit is inventory, new machines, recovering from right. mistakes, uh, growing, adapting, innovating. Uh, I mean, it's so it's accounts receivable. If I didn't say that yeah. profit pays for it's retiring the debt on the CNC machine that right. you bought. Yeah. That all comes from profit. Yeah. You have to make a profit. It's, it's, it's a, your moral obligation to all those people who work That's for right. you. You can't stay in business if you don't make a profit. Yeah. But I would like to ask, you know, you start buying equipment and things like that, but the real rubber meets the road, pen meets the paper. There's a day, because I go through this with everybody, mm-hmm. that I always bid these for this. And there's a day that you look down and go, nope, I'm going to bid this one 15% higher. Yeah. And I'm either going to get it or not. And that takes some cojones, I mean, yeah. at that point. Do you do you ever recall really kind of making that decision and what prompted you to say, you know, you there's know, been I'm- a couple of times in the in the road that I've I've made the, you know, like when we, um, so a few years later after we started coming out of the recession, we were still yes, man. I mean, we're just like, job comes in the door. Get the yes. work. Yeah. It, yeah. If, if, if the phone was ringing, the answer was yes. And, and eventually we started becoming a little more specialized in just, just cabinets you know we quit with the furniture we quit with the um the side jobs the trim the doors you know things like that we just got to where it was just cabinets and and i think at that point is when we got a little more serious about understanding profit like what the water costs were but really until recently i would say real recently um you know is is when i really started getting to the point of like screw it this is it this is this is right you know we are here to be profitable we're not here just to make cabinets we're here to be profitable and and if it hurts somebody's feelings or if we lose customers or whatever it is we're raising our prices we just don't have a choice you know yeah. and, and this year has been yeah horrible. You're, you're doing that you a lot know, because all the it's price. all you know this year's been a, a, a struggle a different kind of struggle for us and i don't know if we want to get into that now or later but um you know we we bought a company last year in november and this is jumping ahead quite a bit right. but um that that's brought the need to be profitable like right up to the forefront because materials have been going through the rough with with the back end of this covid nonsense and 
you know, every single month materials have gone up, materials have gone up and it's just been an absolute challenge to be profitable. We just can't raise prices fast enough, you know? And finally we've got to the point this year where we're just like, okay, it doesn't matter. We're, mm -hmm. it, yeah. we're sending, we're going to send them a bid and if prices increase, you know, between now and the time we build it, we're going to have to tell them, you know, it's going to be this much more. And it just, it's not our fault that prices are increasing, but they are. Yeah. To our listeners who are dealing, everybody's dealing with that builders, contractors, it, just almost in everything. Um, I like to point out that your suppliers don't have any reluctance to tell you That's right. it just went up 15%. Yeah. And that yet we, in the kind of the middleman between the suppliers and their ultimate consumer, why are we reluctant? I mean, I get it, Yeah. but why are we reluctant to say, you know, it just went up 15%. Yeah. I'm not going to float the world. It's because it feels like a service rather than a product. Well, it's that yeah. and what I think it's fear. It's and it's fear. it's also if your competitors in lo relatively low entry business, uh, entry barrier businesses don't know their costs or anything, and they're still stuck in the, I want to sale, not I don't need to make money on it, mm -hmm. then you're bidding against dinglings, right? Yeah. And that's fact. Yeah. But you're going to go broke. So you're going to go broke gradually. <laughs> and own the bank a bunch of money or go gloriously broke by raising prices and nobody buys from you and you're out of business. Yeah. Except that never happens. Yeah. That's what everybody thinks is going to happen. Yeah. And that's, that's a mindset of, um, especially of your salespeople, you know, things like that, that they've, right. they have a really hard time raising prices because they're the back end of that. They're the, well, they're, they're the looking at the guy who's yelling at them. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're them, looking you know? at the builder, the customer, whoever, yeah. the remodeler, um, and they're trying to sell them the cabinets and they've got to tell them, Oh, I know it just went up fifteen percent last month, yeah. but hey, guess what? It's going to go up another fifteen percent yeah. this month, and yeah. and that's and and I I I appreciate that because I was in their shoes. You know, I was when I first started. My primary role was selling, and I don't do much of that now. But man, that's that's tough. It's I mean, that's yeah. just that's a tough deal. But it's just part of it. I mean, it, it's it stinks, but the customer is the one that's got to pay for that, not the company. Right. And 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 I, you know, I fell into this business. That I didn't fall into it. This new, the the one I bought, you know, when I bought that business, the timing was a little bad just because I, I don't think anybody could have foreshadowed the amount that the prices were going to go up on things right. as quickly as they, as they went up yeah. on, on us, you know, and they still continue to, they're inching up on us now, but at least they're inching up. They're not leaping up on us like they was right. at first. So at least we've got a little bit of control on it, but now it's pretty much we're bidding jobs and, and we're putting surcharges on the back end of it just based on where the materials are at. And, um, you know, that's just the way it's going. I mean, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate, but we, we've got to the point where we got to do it. Yeah. You know, we, we projected to make a certain profit this year when we took that company over and it's just not going to happen. Um, we're going to be profitable, but it's not going to be very, very as good as we wanted it to right, be, you know? Sure. And, and I mean, I'd like to paint a different picture, but it's just the way well, it's going to be. I'm going to throw know? this in because you and I are doing the math for another reason. Yeah. But, um, I have it lying in front of me. Mm -hmm. But if you can get your material cost down one and a half percent of uh, as a percentage of sales, yep. from fifty-one and a half down to fifty percent, and increase your net profit three hundred twenty-two percent. It's significant. <laughs> it's major league. So yeah. you're yeah. thinking, wow, how do I do it? It's anyway. I I just wanted to throw that in while yeah. you're. It's why the numbers are so important. The only reason yeah. why you're able to look at that 
is because you're keeping good books because you are oh, yeah. so serious about yeah. it yeah. and you've taken the yeah. finance seriously. And it also gives an element of hope. You think, can I get my material costs down one and a half percent as a percentage of sales? They really need to be way used to be in the 35, 37 yeah, percent. Right. Yeah. But if you can get it down one and a half percent, you go, you know, that sounds like I can turning, do that. Things are starting to start to turn loose at that point. Yeah. yeah. You just think, wow, you know, I, somehow I can save one and a half percent and we start thinking how to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that's not what this whole episode is. I'm going to go back a few years mm -hmm. from what we're talking about now, but um, what led you to, to reach out to Martin? Well, um, I was stuck, you know, as, as I was, I guess I was stuck. I was stuck in my own head really is what it turned out to be. I was just, I was at a threshold that I didn't understand. So mm -hmm. I, you know, we had grown at the time I had two shops and, and that's, uh, you know, there was a, an employee that's still with me today that was moving out of town and um, we, we, we found a shop for him to kind of operate out of and it was supposed to be just be a small deal and it actually turned into be a nice little satellite operation. Um, we've since rolled it back into our main shop, but it was a, uh, it was a turning point for us. You know, we, we, we grew through that. So um, I, I learned that I didn't have to be the one micromanaging and controlling every part of the business through that. You know, I, I realized I could trust my employees that want to, they want to grow, you know, employees want to, Yeah. they want to get better. They want to grow. They want to have some uh, control. They want to be able to make their own calls and things like that. And so that, that taught me that, but at, at the same time, I was still kind of stuck in where to go from here, you know, how to, how to take it to the next level and how business really works. So I started just, um, you know, listening to podcasts, started educating myself and started uh, listening to audio books and, and I think where, where I actually, I, I had never even thought of the idea of business coaching, you know, yeah. the, or there being a trade out there like that. But I think I was listening to, I think I was listening to Tony Robbins at the point, you know, um, some of his talks and stuff like that. And I think at the end of one of them, he actually has a coaching service. It's more of a broker thing, if I, if I understood it right, where he's kind of got, he farms it out to different, yep. you know, coaches. To be real honest, they never called me back. Oh, wow. And so... They never called me back, and one of the people that was, there was a lady that was on one of his talks that was also a business coach, and I had reached out to her, and I just didn't, it wasn't a fit. She was in, like, Maine or something like that, which is fine. I mean, that, that, that proximity doesn't matter. I don't coach, see you, Coaching is all yeah, personal. Yeah, I don't see you. Not all, but. I, but I don't see you very, you know, very often, yeah. you know, and, and so over the phone wasn't a problem, but she just wasn't a fit. She was more of a uh, retail product, gotcha. you, know, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, so. She had, a, she had a market for somebody, just not a manufacturer. You know, mm -hmm. it just wasn't, I think we'd have spent too much time on jargon than, right. than anything. So, um, and then I think when I started Googling, I found Martin at some point and, uh, and then you came up and saw me that next day mm -hmm. and it and worked out, worked out really well. Yeah. I do remember uh, this, but I, I wrote this poem and made a video. It's on my yeah. website if anybody wants to see it. Yeah. And you said that Amy, I mean, I, we hit it off going to the shop. It was, it was fun. It was a Saturday morning. Yeah, it was. And uh said, well, you know, I'm thinking pretty strong, but my wife's going, well, what do you need a coach for? And I had sent him that video. It wasn't even released yet, but I sent it to you. And you called me back that afternoon and said, Amy, watch the video. Well, when, how do we start? <laughs> you know, I explained yeah. what it was about. But I'll yeah. say this about Jeff, too. One, he was looking, yeah. right? Realized he was looking. And I'll also say this. We met in uh, probably Cushing, maybe. First we time we, we met, met we were meeting yeah, we in person before Zoom stuff. But I took you three books the first week. Yeah. 
and we met the next week. He'd read them all. Yeah. I'm going, damn it. I don't have that many. Man, I gotta come up with three books every week. Yeah. That's great. So, you know, that that hunger to learn and yeah. and I did I kinda call it being engaged. I don't kinda call it that's yeah. that's what it is. You're engaged, that's what you want employees, but you're engaged. You wanna how can we be better? What can we do? Yeah. You know, what's the goal? Just continue to keep moving forward. And I think, well, Khalil's kinda guiding the direction of this, but one of the things that was very early on was that it was clear you had a vision. Yeah. And one of them is is the one I'd like you to talk about about efficiency because yeah. it's pretty cool. But you also had a vision that I'm not staying here. I'm going to learn financials. I'm going to acquire companies and yeah. and uh, and we'll we'll let you describe what that was. But very early on, yeah. I've just I mean I never really have a I've never really had a a spot or a place to be. Like I've never found I've never seen like I want to get to five million or I want to get right. to ten million or. 200 million it doesn't it's not a number it's just really for me it's just continuing to move forward you know and and whatever that whatever that is just improving and and Mm. you know and and some of this stuff has been through coaching is that I've identified just kind of what I'm what I'm good at and what I enjoy and that's obviously you know a big part of my life is efficiency and that's just that's just my focus your your goal your vision that I always ask everybody right up front what's your vision what do you want because we need to know what we're working toward yeah. and Jeff I quote him all the time because his vision that was quoted to me was to be the most efficient cabinet component manufacturer in the world yeah and components is a little bit different than what we're doing right now but, yeah but it's and I laugh because there's nothing phony about that if you know some visions are kind of like well it needs to sound good but I don't really believe it or I don't really think yeah. it that is who Jeff is. Yeah. You you could not not do that. That's right. Yeah. You just, you just want to get better. Yeah. And it's but I'm glad I know that because I'm not fighting against it right. anymore. You know, yeah. it's just it's it's just part of what I do and and I enjoy making I enjoy the process part of what I do. I enjoy the making the process better, making the people that are in the process better. You know, that's just what I enjoy doing. Yeah. And that's the part that I like to focus on. So and and right now it drives everything I do because you know, I'm trying to hire, uh, you know, like for right now with the company that I purchased, you know, I'm trying to get the people in the positions to get me into the position where I can focus just on the efficiency part right. of it, you know, and turning one of our engineers into a manager and things like that. And and that's, for me, that's just uh, finding out, I found out what, what drives me and, and trying to put myself in that position, you know, because I, one of these days I want to retire, one of these days I want to I'm building my company to sell it, you know. Now, whether I ever do it or not, I don't know, but I'm building it for that, you right. know. Exactly. And, you know, I'm putting it in the position where it can be sold. You're going to exit sometime. Yeah, I'm going to exit sometime. And, and, uh, um, and as long as my position, my company's in the position to sell it, um, you know, then, then I've got the option to yep, do right. it. So, and I feel like that's, I feel like I'm putting uh, my, my business in the best place. Right. You know, to do that. So yeah, you don't usually go to work in the morning wondering what you're going to do that day. No, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I and I don't mean oh yeah, I got to fix that broken saw. I mean yeah. There's a more strategic, visionary thought to everything. There didn't used do. to be. You know, used to be it was. Um, and and I still do enjoy running tools, and right. and I, I I don't enjoy buying them as much as I used to. You know, <laughs> going to Lowe's doesn't give me a thrill like right. it used to. You know, like well, that's because you're buying CNC yeah. stuff out right. of China. Yeah, right. It's just designing my own CNCs now yeah. and stuff like that. You know, but um, you know, so the, there's a certain part of equipment that I just like setting up and, and getting it to run efficiently and making it 
better than what it was when I got it. So that's just part of it. But, um, you know, for me, selling my business was never not, was not always part of the end game, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, a few years back, I got diagnosed with Parkinson's, which is a yeah. young onset Parkinson's. It's the same as big boy Parkinson's. It's just you get it when you're 40 instead right. of you're 70 or 80, you know. So, and that's why I shake, you know. And that's just, a, it's an annoyance more than anything. But um, it, it, since I got that, that's, like I said, four and a half years ago, somewhere around urgency on it. And it's just now it's starting to become a part of my life where I, you know, I notice it more. And um, especially during these conversations like this where I'm really invested or injected in the conversation, I shake more. But what it's done is it's put a, you know, I'm not going to say it's put a time stamp on when I'm going to be able to work, but it, it kind of has, you know, it's kind of got it to a point where it's like, I've got to get this thing in a position to where if I do all of a sudden get bad enough where I can't go to work, it needs to be in a position where it can either A, support me for the rest of my life, or B, I can sell it and, and move on, to, use the funds yeah, to support yeah. myself for the rest of my life. So it's definitely created a sense of urgency for that, but it's also created a sense of urgency for time like i need to be able to get my time in order to where i can enjoy other things other than work because i understand that you know i've seen i've seen a um a very good example is in 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 my town uh collinsville there was a small cabinet shop it's been around forever 1950s is when it started it's only sold once you know so the original owner sold it to his friend um, and he he was the second owner, and it was a fantastic company. You know, everybody knew this, the name of this company in town, and they were a small shop. I mean, they probably had 10 people total, so they were just pretty small shop, around forever. And um, it comes down to the time that he's ready to retire. And I remember I, I, I became friends with this guy and talked to him, and I offered to kind of buy his company, really more of a licensing deal. It's like, hey, you know, when we get a phone call from your company, we'll kind of give you some of the the money from it like a royalty deal and you know we'll, we'll keep your employees employed and we'll keep it keep it going and uh, we was never able to come to a deal you know and and uh, a few months later he ended up auctioning the assets and that's how you retired you can imagine yeah not much <laughs> yeah i went to the uh i went to the auction and unfortunately you know he probably netted twenty thousand dollars out of the whole deal and you know that twenty thirty thousand dollars and you know half of that was trucks you know and it was just he didn't have any modern equipment, that kind of stuff. You know, it was all old stuff, and and unfortunately, that's just how that business stopped mm-hmm. to so be alive. You know, and he had owned that business for twenty years, and and the problem was it just wasn't in a position to be mm-hmm. sold. It wasn't a it wasn't a viable business. You know, because there wasn't anything there to buy. You weren't buying great assets. You weren't buying great land. You weren't buying great, a, a great customer base systems. Um, you weren't buying. There wasn't anything there to really yeah. jump into and sink your teeth into. Well, we might. <clears throat> that that's excellent. One point is that I always make is if you build a business to sell, you're likely building a business that you would keep, because a, a business to sell yeah. needs to be a little bit autonomous, have the right management in place, that it needs yeah. to be making money and have systems and processes. Yeah. And that's usually the reason people want to sell a business because they want a payday and they want to. Not have to all the headaches, but yeah. you you do it uh, both ways. But there was a point in there. Um, maybe we can talk about the evolution of yours. You started, you know, we referred to t- first two shops. I mean, your garage. Yeah. Then you had uh, Vera and 
Cushing yep. at the same time. That's yep. when you had two. Mm-hmm. And then you moved to Collinsville, so you went from 8,000 square – you closed down Cushing, you had 8,000 square feet at Collinsville, mm-hmm. yep. went to 25,000 square feet – no, 8,000 feet at Vera, yeah. yeah. 25,000 yeah. square feet at um, Collinsville, Collinsville yeah. and now you've added – I don't know how many. Um, about 37, 38,000 square feet now. Okay, yeah. in addition in to Tulsa. the 25. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the 25 is probably more than you needed, but – but it was available bit, yeah. and, yeah, and right. Yeah, but it worked. Yeah. So where you go with that? But sales-wise, you want to say kind of where you were in 2010, and maybe what your intent is for this year? Yeah. So I mean, 2010, we were, you know, probably in that, still in the hundreds of thousands, in the upper, mm-hmm. you know, six, seven, eight, hundred thousand, yeah. somewhere around there. After, after we come from the recession, where we probably got, we probably touched down there to like three hundred thousand, you know, right. for a little while. I mean, it was pretty <clears> dismal. But then we pretty quickly rebounded back to where we was, which is probably in that seven to eight hundred thousand range. And then I would say like twenty twelve ish, we probably closed, you know, probably passed that right at that million mark or probably touched it. Mm-hmm. But then we hovered there for a long time. Like um man, maybe till twenty fourteen or somewhere around there. And then we kind of broke through that million mark and maybe hit a million three, four, five, somewhere around there. But we, we really hovered at that point for a long time. And when we moved into Collinsville uh, back in, let's see, that's going to be 17, 2017, we moved into that big shop, and that, that allowed us to turn loose. So we kind of went from that mid one point, you know, three, four, five million, somewhere around there, up to like two and a half million. So we, we took a pretty good jump there. We also hired our first real salesman at that time, at that time, um, a sales, sales lady. And... Um, that's when we moved into the new shop but the new shop allowed us to like expand we was able to take on the inventory we needed to hold the work in progress we needed to that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so it really um really having a few more employees all like you know the old shop we was actually taking inventory setting it out on the parking lot during the day so we could mill wood i mean it was just super you were shut down if it rained yeah it was was kind of a bad deal so you know we, we was at that point where we had to move into something bigger how important was having a, a salesperson on staff that wasn't you it was super important. It it um it allowed me to focus on other things than and it, it allowed me to focus on other things and start seeing the importance of the numbers and really getting into the importance of having good clean books, you know, yeah. and, and understanding those books and stuff like that. So I've always done my own accounting, but I've never really started doing my own accounting the right correctly way. Yeah. until that point. Um and it took me a while to get into it to do it correctly, but it it allowed it to where it wasn't my only focus was sales. Mm-hmm. And it also took me out of, I mean, I've always called it the vicious sales cycle where you have this, sell, sell, this sell, kind of mutually exclusive work. curve of yeah. like, I've got way too much sales, you know, or I've got too much work in the shop, but I'm not selling enough, you know, so I've got these kind of opposite points, yeah. you know, where we're producing a ton, but I'm not selling any because we're producing so much. And then yeah. the paths cross, you know, and you've got a decent amount of cash and then they go the other way. So you're out selling a bunch, but you're not manufacturing anything. Right. So by bringing in another salesperson that's their focus, you kind of turn that curve into a line, you know, yep. and that's that was the goal. And so that I started seeing the importance well, of Well, we're at Collinsville in two and a half million, just on. Yeah. On, yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think at this time when you do hire that salesperson, uh, just knowing your story, I think this is when you were really able to not only focus on that accounting aspect, but it's when you were able to start taking a ca- uh, lean really seriously. Yeah, not that lean you weren't doing it before, but lean manufacturing yeah, started, started really playing a part in your shop. Yeah, started uh, researching that, understanding it. I never really understood lean because I never educated Spent myself time, yeah. on it. Yeah, never. Uh, you know, 
if somebody had asked me if I was lean, I was like, oh yeah, we're lean. We don't use any labor. You know, we only use any more labor than we have to. And that was that was lean to yeah. me, and that's not lean manufacturing at all. You know, lean manufacturing is a, is a lifestyle. It's a way you yeah, live. It. It's yeah. and and it ties. It's what brought out the efficiency yep. monster in me. You know, you can't unsee waste once you finally actually start seeing it. Right. You know, and so that's uh, lean is a huge driver now yeah. of everything that I do. I mean, it's everything that I do. Just so listeners know, it is really incredible to go to your shop, especially over the years. Um, yeah, I'm sure if I went to dad, I'd be even more impressed. Yeah, but just going into your shop and seeing everything that's in place. I mean, literally, I, I don't know all the names for it, but Kaizen foam mm-hmm. for every station where essentially your screwdriver or your drill or whatever tool it is fits into a cutout shape Mm -hmm. slot on your desk and it's labeled for that station and everything's color coded you go to a machine you don't know how to use it there's a qr code that you can scan and watch a video on how to use that machine i mean it is like next level stuff that is just so cool and i think Anybody can appreciate it, even if they're not a cabinet manufacturer, even oh, yeah. if they're not a contractor. Yep. They can appreciate the time, the energy that you put into making things as efficient and autonomous as possible, where yeah. you don't have to be there. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very deliberate deal. But it, you know, the the great thing about lean is if you do it right, uh, eventually your employees will start taking on some of that role. So the the next level of that, and what I would just touch on a couple of things. I know we're kind of keeping it broad here, but the uh, we just started um, at the new shop in mm-hmm. Tulsa. Uh, got a fantastic set of employees that came with that company, and they were so they had been micromanaged for so many years mm. that it was almost just like opening the floodgates when I started imposing some of the lean Trust, yeah. ideas on them, you know, and and they've just taken it and run with it. And so they wanted we've got a language barrier, you know, there between some of the Spanish and English, and they wanted a system to where they could bring ideas or issues or problems to us up in the office in a in a way that was comfortable to them because they're not comfortable just coming up you know with google translate you know trying to get their idea across it just it's too cumbersome so we came up with the with the the genie system you know so so it's on the we've got a little lean office that that a couple people use um at the at the tulsa office and right on the door there's a there's a genie bottle Okay. That we glued to the door, and every employee when they start, you know, their first day, they get a time card and they get a genie card, and they keep their genie card with their time card, and if they've ever got a problem, they just write it out in Spanish right there on the card, and they stick it in the genie bottle on their way out the door, so they don't have to tell their manager, they don't have to tell their team leader, they don't have to tell anybody yep. that they've done this, and it can be something as simple as a my broom broke in my area is one that got sent in the other day or a lady wanted a dustpan in the break room you know it can be something as simple as that but we also get some really thoughtful things basically the card is laid out where it's got their name and it's got the problem they have to identify the problem and they have to identify what their fix would be for the problem and we get some really good ones like you know uh, the other day we got one that uh, one of the ladies wanted a drill because she was having to reach across the table to get the other ladies drill and they were sharing a drill but it was like three or four steps and she had identified that on her card i have to walk five steps to get the drill several times a day can i get a new drill you know and it was a 120 dollar fix you know yeah. and that seems so small and insignificant but you do that a hundred times and it's huge you yeah. know and so ever we've started that um we started that about two or three months ago just started it as a just to see if it would work you know and and they came pouring in, you know, just 
the cards really? kept pouring in. They appreciate the opportunity. Oh, and then they would also see that we were doing, doing them, it. You know, so they started out simple, but they're starting to get better. The cards are starting to get more improvement based, safety based, which is what we want. And and we're we're keeping up with the cards. So when they come in, we try to get it implemented very quickly. So that we've taken that to now. There's the genie of the month. You know, so every month on the first, we got a traveling trophy that's a genie bottle. You know, and and we put a hundred bucks in it and. Whoever wins it gets the genie bottle for the month, and it stays in their area for a month. And and then right outside the employee door, there's their parking spot for the you know the genie, uh, the genie parking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a sign there, and they we put yeah. their a lot of people think that stuff it. is corny, but you know it, it does matter. You know they love it. They yeah. you know the first of the month we walk out there and we go over all the improvements that we came in. It's like last month there was 15 improvements, and most of them were pretty simple. Like I said, a broom in the break room, this, this little kind of stuff like this, but. Most of them were really good, but we went through all the improvements, you know, told them what they were. And then we have a very, uh, very easy system of identifying a winner. Basically, we score each improvement, and there's four people to score it. And whoever gets the highest point average wins the, the winner. Yeah. Or the highest total points is the winner. So last, last month, there was a lady that put in four improvements, and they were all very good. A couple, two of them were safety, and two of them were tool type improvements, you know, like process improvements. And she won the hundred bucks, and I mean, everybody was clapping for her and just so happy for her, you know, patting her on the back when she was done. So they all get into it. It's not. That's a, that's it's old. definitely not corny. Yeah, you know, one thing I, I know we got contractors listening. And go, well, that's manufacturing. Well, no, it's exactly the same. Oh yeah. It's an organized truck. It's visual. Yep. Can you visually look and see that everything's on that truck, or do you drive the jobs without the jackhammer, or do you have to spend a lot of time to see if it's on there? Uh, I mean. Everything you do in manufacturing, you can do in contracting. There's no so doubt. I just want to say I that. Mean, it, takes a, it takes a load off of you, man. Yeah. I mean, you're able to empower your employees, and you're able to then see the rising stars. Yeah. And what I love about what you've done especially is that there is a language and a culture barrier there. Yeah. But you're able to identify just because there's a culture barrier and a language barrier doesn't mean that there's a talent barrier. No, they they absolutely are talented. They have great minds, and you're and able to, to identify good. that. Yeah, yeah. And they want to grow. Yeah, and you're you're giving them that opportunity. And so many people, because there's foreigners in this country that are working extremely hard, but there's that language and culture barrier. They don't afford them the same sometimes respect, the same opportunities. Oh yeah. And you've eliminated that by creating a system where they can empower themselves. Yeah. and I love that. That's yeah, it's uh it's worked out really who well. Who interprets, who reads the green cards? We just put them in Google Translate. Oh, and okay. Generally, we can get it, you know, Pretty if close. we don't understand it, well, there's a few of the team leaders, a couple of team leaders that Pretty can. Pretty good English. But 90% of the time we can get it through, um, we can get yeah. it through Google Translate. Okay, now simple. I'm not going to let this drop this time. <clears throat> we were at two and a half million <laughs> at, yep. at uh, Collinsville. Yeah. And where are you today? This month? year, this year we'll do, we'll do about six and a half somewhere. Yeah ish somewhere in that area i mean i think we're doing so you know we're doing about five five hundred and fifty thousand a month yeah, averaging right now we're averaging about 520 we've lost a salesperson this year we've actually lost right. two salespeople, but one of them was partial sales uh partial in the engineering um, so we've, we've lost that but we've we've grown in some other areas where we're taking on some additional sales so this salesperson was a little bit uppity would you want to maybe tell yeah. that story a little bit yeah so you know, this salesperson had come to the business with their own work, has been with me for three years-ish, somewhere around there. And we 
you know, he had already, uh, purchased this other company in Tulsa and was just, just getting that off the ground, um, you know, transferring ownership. So, um, kind of had this salesperson running the Collinsville shop to a certain extent. Um, and it became an issue really quickly that, um, she thought that, uh, she kind of was running the whole show and, and, and was wanting to take over that business. Yeah. And so it kind of became this almost ultimatum of sorts where it's, um, like, Hey, you're, you're going to need to sell me this business or, or work something out with me, or I'm going to have to go elsewhere type thing. And, and it was never put to me exactly that in that words, but it was put to me where, um, how much is this business worth? And, you know, oh, I think well, it's there worth was less 10 out in there. I yeah. remember there was pretty much yeah. an ultimatum. Now, yeah. Look, I've got to, we got to do, something. we got to do something or I got to leave, you know? And, and there was, so there was definitely a conflict of interest at that point. Right. And, and it just didn't make sense to me that, you know, there was a lot of value in that shop in Collinsville that we were still operating and we still are. Um, but I didn't see the reason of putting a competitor into business that, 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 you know, one of the problems we had had with that salesperson over the years was, was getting pricing that was correct. It was, it was always a constant battle. You know, every time we needed to raise prices or have a, have a certain job that needed to be more because of the type of job it was, it was always a, a, a push, push and shove and to get a price that they we needed. priorities above the company. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit. So I've always had the best luck with salespeople that are, that you hire as a, you know, some people are all commissioned. Some salespeople are all salary. If I was going to be a salesman myself, I would be all commissioned just because that's my personality. But for the company, um, I think I've always had better luck with the salesman that you have on partial, you know, base. commission with a base. And the reason for that is, is they're not just their customers. They're the company's customers. And and I know that's a small deal, but that's a huge deal to the business because I, I, the problem I always had with, with that particular salesperson was it was always my business. It was always my customers, my business, you know, and then come I to find out, you do. Yeah, come to find out they weren't even using the, the company email system. And, you know, so they weren't using any of the customers, the company's quote, either our quotes pre-built that we had with our branding and, you know, it was just all that stuff. And it was because it was just her customers, you know, and right. so when she leaves, a lot of her customers go with her. Now it's, it's interesting that some of those customers have come back to us in recent months, um, which is great without us really trying, but which, which foretends the, uh, the, the result of this story when this yeah. person laid out the, we're saying she, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that is yeah. what, what she got to lay that ultimatum on you. Yeah. Uh, you had a decision to make. Well, how did yeah, well, you? Yeah, well, I kind of felt the the decision was made for me. Is the way I went yeah. looking at it, and it was it was a still a, a hard thing to do, but I felt like the decision was made for me. And 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 she was very upset about you know when I had to let her go the day I let her go. She was really really upset because to her it was very abrupt. In my eyes, I was just the one driving the bus instead of her. I mean, because at some point she was already a foot and a half out the door. You know. Yeah. Um, and at some point she was going to be leaving, especially when she knew she wasn't going to be able to buy the business from me. So, um, basically I just nipped it in the butt that day, you know, I just said, I'm, I'm not going to sell the company to you. And, you know, having said that, I'm going to have to let you go because it, it, we are, we're already at a conflict of interest and that just doesn't work for the company. You know, any, any minute beyond that point in my eyes, I was putting the company at risk. You know, and at that point I've got 45 employees and I've got, well, other people will worry about in, it. In the minutiae of all that, 
if somebody's on the way out the door and they know they're on the way out the door and they've got your laptop, they got your bidding yep. systems, you've got your uh, design software, they've got your files that are in your design software. Yeah. They've got everything. Everything. You set them up that took you since 2005. Yes. To develop. To set up. Yeah. And just right. out the door with them. And it, um, so, and it also highlighted some systems that I didn't have in place that I, that I've since put in place. Right. Like so that you can how, have, uh, have what, what happens before you let an employee go, because you don't cut them off from those systems before you let them go. Right. You, you make your mind up that you've let them go already and you cut them off and then you let them go. I mean, cause on something like that, you know, a lot of times you're able to work out a deal where they're able to keep working or they've got a certain amount of time or a severance period or something like that. But sometimes you're just going to have to have the line in the sand and you cut them yeah. off, you know, and that's, that's what we had to do. And, and, and it turned out to be the right decision. There's no, well, I'll, I'll reiterate here. You've got a company that's, well, you were passing, but two and a half million up to five and $6 million down. You walk out the door. A million and actually a more than, than that. that. Yep. A dollar's worth of business. Yeah. With no assurances that you're going to get because you did get some back, but you made the decision. Yeah. That's a, that's a tipping point. That's a, yeah. All. And, and that's, you know, when I look back at our 16 years, I mean, there's, there hasn't been a whole lot of pretty that's happened. I mean, it's not just, it's not been every time we take a step, it's not just this beautiful flowing. Oh, yeah. you know, a uh, business that's just like, well, you know, executed, well executed the plans. It's, it's yeah. been, it, I mean, it's, it's been kind of gross to a certain extent, but I mean, but it's been deliberate. I mean, it's yeah. been, you know, and, and the older I get and the more I get into it, the more planning I do, you know, I do, I do a lot less just by the gut and, and more planning and I still do things by the gut for the most yeah. part, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, I would say where I'm different now from where I was when I first started is I'm. I'm, I'm very good at making decisions. Like I'm, I'm good at saying yes, or I'm good at saying no. I'm, I do a lot less, uh, out of feelings, you know, like I'm, I, I worry less about what somebody's going to think about something that I've done. So, um, but I'm definitely, definitely more decisive than I ever was when, and that's, that's, huge. that's huge. I mean, that, that's, um, right or wrong, you know, I'm decisive, deal. you know, it's just, you, you got to decide whether you're going to do something. Cause once you decide, then all of a sudden it turns loose for you to do that thing, whatever it is. Cause there's no doubt about it. You know, I, I was wanting to grow when I bought that business. I just didn't know how I was going to grow. And the cabin market, the custom cabin market is really hard to grow because you, you know, you have to, you are relying on salespeople, you're relying on other people to help you. And you can't just, it's really hard to organically grow. So the company that I bought was two people that were it was a partnership that were not doing real well together. Mm -hmm. They were at that age of retirement. One was in their, um, he was 68 and the other one was 63. And they were, so they're at that age of wanting to think about retiring. The one owner was 51%, the other was 49. So they did have it set up they, and they did have a good <laughs> structure. They, they, they did have a very good structure. So that's, that's the reason the business worked, you know, right. because one of them was, it was available for sale. Yeah. One of them was in a little more control, yeah. but they, but they both had a good say, you know? So, I mean, they, they did have a good setup and they ran a good company. I mean, there wasn't anything wrong with how they did it necessarily. It was just different than how I do it, but it made sense for me to buy the business because uh, in my eyes, I was buying the building for just a little bit less than what the whole business was worth. Mm -hmm. And. I'm gaining this like fantastic group of people. 
I've got an awesome building. You know, the, the shop is perfect for what we're doing. I mean, it's just this great place. And then I'm great at, you know, gaining a, a really diverse, uh, book of business. I mean, their, their business was so, um, they, they got so many customers, you know, their biggest customer is only doing like 300,000 a year. I mean, that's fantastic. You know, that's just, you know, nobody's bigger than seven or eight percent of their yeah. totals. I mean, it was just, it's like, it was checking all the boxes, you know? So, right. Now you still have Collinsville. You still have your original. Yep. I still have Collinsville. And, yes. and I added this in Tulsa, which they're only 20 miles apart. Right. Um, the, the goal is by the end of the year, we're going to roll them together. Um, we're just trying to do that in a, in a way that we're not going to reduce our, um, capacity. Yeah. Reduce our, well, reduce our top line. We can't, right. you know, we're not, right. we can't lose sales because of this, but the, the big project that we've been working on and Martin knows all about this is, is we're converting our shop to a, a JIT system, which is just in time. Right. Yeah. So basically a, a customer finalizes their order, finalizes their design and all they have to do is call us and let us know that they're seven days out from needing cabinets and we're yeah. going to produce them and send them. Right. It's, it's unheard of in the industry. I mean, you just, it let me, let me point out to our valued listeners, you're hearing it right now, right? Yeah. There's a goal, a vision, and it's all about efficiency. And just yep. imagine that you are uh, selling complete kitchens in the market and you said seven days, you get them in seven days. Yep. But there's consequence, planned consequence. If they tell you seven days, cause they, they get them in seven days and they, yeah. they don't want them in seven days. What happens? Yeah. They, well, they, they, yeah, if they, sure. if they can't take the product in seven days, they're got to pay rent on, yeah. on space because that's the, that's the biggest driver right now behind doing this is we are producing products so much faster than what the previous place was where we don't have this capacity to store the completed work, right. you know? So, um, it's, it's been, it's been a pretty dramatic transformation over there. Yeah. Something I do want to touch on is, uh, your move into components, uh, yeah. which is a little bit different than manufacturing the pool cabinets. Yeah. Um, and how you, I mean, the, even the vision for that, because I think while you're not the first person to create cabinet components, you did it in a unique way, yeah. really pioneered something. And I, honestly, I think there are going to be a lot of listeners that come to us knowing you from that side of things. Yeah. Uh, from all the work that you've done. Yeah, it. we're so, still doing it. So, yeah, exactly. you know, the component deal started um, several years ago um, when I saw a need for, well, I was, I was kind of stuck on that next growth threshold mm -hmm. and couldn't really figure out how to, um, you know, I was trying to figure out how to scale the business rather than just grow it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and to be real honest, you know, Parkinson's changed some of that uh, mindset because the, the component deal to date has just been me pushing it, has been me exactly. driving it. Um, and, and, I, and right now, currently I just don't have a lot of time to just keep pushing it, but we still do a fair amount of, can components. you define what we mean by that? So components are going to be just like the parts and pieces of the cabinet. So we sell components to other cabinet makers around the nation that don't have the capacity, don't have the tools or the equipment, the space to, you know, to actually manufacture cabinets. Cause it's a very capital intensive, uh, endeavor to, you know, start milling cabinets. So if you can just buy your components, then you've taken 80% of the machinery out of the process and you're just buying box components that are ready to be assembled. So we send everything, uh, flat packed on a pallet, ready to assemble. And they just order right there online and order what they want. And then we ship it to them. So it's a great service. It's a great deal. And, and it's a business that I intend to keep doing, you know, keep growing just kind of as it does, but you know, Khalil helped me out with that, uh, that process at first. So we just started by 
making a website, uh, went hard at some SEO stuff. And then we also went hard at writing a, a blog, which is, which still gets a ton of activity. I mean, it's, it's still, I gets think a, a lot of ton people of activity. that listen to this have found you through those articles. Yeah. And, uh, still the people I meet today are finding me through the articles, you know, just mm-hmm. in fact, I talked to somebody, uh, not yesterday, but last week, um, yesterday he downloaded another resource, but, uh, last week, um, he had downloaded a resource and I called him just to talk to him and, and he downloaded, a one of our resources from the, um, from the blog and, and he wasn't interested in buying components, but he was just another cabinet owner that liked yeah. the article and that's what we was going after. And, and, um, so I, I would just took something I enjoyed, which was, you know, I, I enjoy myself educating myself about everything like, yeah. you know, that I'm interested in. And I just enjoyed writing that blog, which is all it was, was just educating other people about stuff that I knew that I was comfortable yeah, talking about. Yeah, you learn it so much better when you have to write it out and teach somebody. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it becomes a little more, um, I don't know. To me, I, uh, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that whole process of growing that blog, growing that website. And then now it's, you know, you type in cabinet components and more than likely our website is going to pop up, you know, I mean, it's, it's right there in the, anywhere top, in the nation, yeah, anywhere in the nation, you know? So I mean, to, to do that in the time span that we did was, I, I've got to think it's unheard of. I mean, yeah. you know, I, well, I think what, what's unique about your case is it was such a niche thing, Yep. you know, like we're targeting custom <laughs> cabinet makers yep. and, you know, it's just, there's not that many of them out yeah. there that are and, looking to buy components. With, you know, exactly. Yeah. And so many of them also there's no one in that space that really writes about that and talks yep. about that. And mm-hmm. really became a thought leader. Um, you've written for woodworking network as well. And yep. they ask you to write articles, uh, from time to time. And I think speaking, a lot of people, doing, yep, public, speaking, 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 speaking stuff, yep. I think people really enjoy the, the, the thought that you put into the content that you make. And yep. really that leads into your book that you right. are publishing. Yeah. So like at the end of the year, um, it, we were expecting to launch the book. It's, it's done. Now we're just getting through those final little details that seem to take as long as the book, but, um, the book's titled, that's it, I'm fired. And basically it's a, a book about manufacturing your success, you know, so you're, you're, um, learning how to fire yourself to, to grow your company. And, and, and that's some of the processes that I use to, um, to make the company bigger, make it better, you know, that kind of deal. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you're looking forward to it. It's, it's not a, it's a, it's gonna be a quick book, you know, to read. It's, it's pretty short. I don't remember how many words it ended up being, but it's a pretty short book. So it'd be a quick read, but it's uh, and it's all just in a conversational space. You can, that was yeah. the best kind. Yeah. Yeah. You can get through it in a Sunday afternoon. So that was kind of a pet project that came from the blog. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff we talked about in the blog is in that book, but it was just, I've since starting the blog, I really enjoyed, enjoyed writing. And, uh, so the book was just a natural step, you know, yeah, so, absolutely. so I think that's where some of the component stuff is going to turn, you know, I think we're always going to do the components, but I think it's going to morph into this, you know, the book side of it, the teaching side of it, see if there's something to be grown out of that, because I absolutely. really enjoyed that, that part of it, you know, yeah. I really, really miss not doing it lately. And that's why I'm doing some of the things in the Tulsa shop, you know, getting a manager where they can control the day-to-day operations and get yeah. myself out of it to where I don't have to be there every single waking moment. And I can, you know, get, get more into that, get back into that side of it. It's awesome. Well, I think it's, it's really cool to see how you've evolved since 2005, uh, like we've talked about today, but mm-hmm. you've really gone through that process of you were an employee doing construction management, had that side hustle. You took that leap and became self-employed. And, uh, eventually that manager where you did have those two or three guys, 
and you were taking any job possible. Yeah. Uh, you evolved to not being a yes man and, you know, saying no, uh, you evolved into firing yourself and really becoming that, that manager, not just a high risk job, but you own the business where you, you've stepped away from that. Now you're an entrepreneur, you're starting components, you're writing a book, you are purchasing other shops. Um, and I, I think you're going to continue to evolve from there and, and continue to grow. And it, I think that there's so many things we could have talked about and we, we did go off on rabbit trails. We could have stayed on those trails for a long time. Oh yeah. Jeff, um, 10 more time, but yeah. we'll have to have you back on, uh, sure. another time, but we really appreciate you sharing your, your knowledge, being vulnerable and honest about, you know, financials about Parkinson's and yeah. all the real things that happen in business. Cause it's, it is messy. Yeah. Right. It is. So, um, I wish more people would talk about the messy side and the fact that, you know, the project that Martin was talking about and. And I'm an open book about anything, maybe to an extent that most people aren't, but you know, one of the things that Martin and I are working on right now is we're making a cabinet makers owners group in Tulsa and it's just, it's starting out with a group of seven shops that are like-minded and just trying to get people in the same room yeah, to start talking about some of these things like financials and margins and, mm -hmm. um, you know, different things that's going on in our, our actual market that, you know, business owners. I think the old school is, um, the old school, like my dad's school, you know, is we hate our competitors. We're cutthroat and, and I, I, you know, to a certain extent, I understand my competitors are out there. I mean, I know who I'm competing against in my market, but 95% of my competition is me, Absolutely. you know, and it is our company, you know, we, we compete against ourselves and, and most businesses spend, I think too much time worrying about their competitors and they're not worrying about themselves, about their own companies. And, and I've always wanted to do this group. And what was really interesting was, and again, we're getting off topic, but no, it's good. You know, off topic. Um, Dead on. The, the great thing about this group was I sent this email out to, I think I sent out to 12 shops, seven replied. And of all the seven that replied, they all said the same thing. I've wanted to do this for years. I've thought this was a great idea that we all get in the same room and just talk about whatever, you know, money or talk yep. about the market, talk about whatever, you know, but I mean, they all said the same things like, man, I'm so glad you're doing this. Well, you also you had uh, one or two that said, we don't want to be any part of any illegal cabal, you know? <laughs> well, first of all, it wouldn't be illegal, but you wouldn't know. But the right, point no. is, I mean, it is if you're cheating on government jobs, that's right. right. Yeah. But the, you can, anyway, the point is I get to go down there as business coach unattached and just teach business principles. Yeah. Like 1% improvement in margins. 14.5% actually maybe be more than that, but 14.5% improvement in net profits, mm -hmm. two ways to get margins up, raise your prices, get more efficient. Yeah. And hopefully we inspire them to say, you know, why, who cares if I sell $7 million worth of stuff, if I lost a million and a half dollars, that's right. I'd rather sell 500,000 and make 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just principles, because if you're good competition that understands their costs and you know, that's good competition for everybody. Yep. Keeps you sharp, steel sharpens steel. It's the people who don't know. And think, yep. well, it's a million dollars worth. And like yep. I said, but it cost me 1.2 million to do it. They're out there and they wreck everything for everybody. Oh yeah. Well, and I've, I've enjoyed, I've made it, I've been pretty deliberate the last several years. And I know the majority of the cabinet makers in our area, not just know of the company. I'm saying, I know the owner on yeah. a personal level. And there's several of those owners that I talk to 
on a regular basis. They'll call me, they may have a program issue or they have a CNC issue and that's just, okay, that's great. But it always morphs into something else. Like, oh, hey, how's this contract going for you? Or I heard you got this customer, you know, I heard you start work for them or whatever. And it's, it's always ends up being this great conversation. Yeah. But, and I always gain something out of it. Um, but I'm, I've just, I've always enjoyed getting to know other people's businesses because I feel like, like I said, I'm not competing against them. And once they realize that, man, you can, you can learn so much from your other business guys, okay. just little, little tricks about what they do and little tricks about what you do. And that, man, it just, it brings the whole market up. And I can't imagine if other businesses would do that. Yeah. How it wouldn't, how everybody would right. benefit from it, you know? Absolutely. Well, man, this has been a pleasure. Yep. Um, we'll have to have you back sometime and we'll go into maybe a, a deep dive on a topic with you. Cause I think it'd be really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. How can people get in touch with you? Well, I'm not a huge social media guy, but I am on LinkedIn. So they can get with me on LinkedIn, social media wise. And then, uh, you know, my email is Jeff at altcab.com, U-L-T-C-A-B.com. And ultimate cabinets. I'll be on short for ultimate cabinets. And then there's also, um, still got my old podcast website push through that's, yeah. you know, the push T-H-R-U.com. That's probably going to be the best way for future content and the book. Yeah will be on that website. Um, you know, even some of Khalil's stuff is on that website. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of me right now and then check out where the new book's coming from and everything. So awesome, man. Well, we really appreciate you yep. being on and, um, yeah, we look forward to, to hearing more. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to the cash flow contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit the cashflowcontractor.com. 